This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Thursday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today, we are kicking off our series on productivity and pleasure with the Enneagram Type 1. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is that my boys went camping last night and I wasn't able to get in touch with them for hours. It was like 3 p.m. yesterday and then I didn't hear from them again until like 10 a.m. this morning because they were without service. And not being in touch with them is not the rose. The rose is that I am so excited to hear what their stories are and to see pictures and to just hear from their mouths how it felt afterwards, what they remember and everything they want to tell me about it. The thorn is because of this, I'm reminded of how nice it is to not know every detail of your people's lives and to let them tell you for the first time or show you their photos for the first time in person. I hardly know what to talk to people about sometimes because I already know what they've been doing. I do tend to ask for like how they felt about what they were doing and that's nice, but I kind of just miss finding it all out at once, hearing from them what they did, why they did it and how it felt. My bud is that tomorrow I'm filming a monthly reset video and I've been compiling my list of tasks and things to do. And it's just all kinds of satisfying things, like planning out my content, planning out what my work life is going to be like, solving a few little minor irritations that are happening in my life. And I'm just really looking forward to filming this one, honestly. Okay, friends, let's talk about productivity and pleasure for the Enneagram Type 1. If you haven't already, I encourage you to listen to the intro episode where I talk about the importance of finding our rhythm with these two things and why I think productivity should exist as an entry point to more pleasure. In these individual episodes, I want to tackle what can prevent our productivity and tips for allowing our time we create through productivity to be more pleasurable. So tip number one, for Enneagram type one is the number one thing that can get in your way of being productive is perfectionistic procrastination. Now, I think we all knew this one was coming, so I figure we should just go ahead and get it out of the way. Type ones are known for being detail-oriented and holding themselves to very high standards. These two things combined can make it hard to know when it's time to move on from things. I often use the example of building a website. You can tweak and tweak it all day, but eventually you're going to have to hit publish if you want to sell your services. So in order to work through this, it's important to set internal deadlines. 
make sure you know when does this project need to be complete? When do I hit publish no matter what state it's in? And let that be non-negotiable. Which brings me to number two, which is one of the things that keeps you from being productive is not defining what is good enough. You need to define ahead of time what a completed project looks like. This is gonna help immensely with knowing when something is complete. If you are in a work environment and are able to coordinate this with your team leader, even better. If you are talking about things at home and you have a partner or roommates, talk about what does good enough mean because I imagine you are overestimating what a completed project looks like. So when you define it with another person, they're gonna set more realistic expectations with you and the people you're afraid of letting down, you know this is what they asked for. This is what they defined as a completed project. This is what we defined together as a completed project. Now, if this is a self-guided activity, you can do the same thing with yourself. You know, decide what is good enough and then follow through with that and trust that what you decided ahead of time is accurate. Number three, the fear of being caught falling short. Your inner critic is so loud that the idea of someone else seeing a flaw in you is unbearable. So the idea of like, I'm getting caught not knowing what's wrong with me. To move through this, two things need to happen. First, work on your relationship to your inner critic. Name them if you want to. In my new book, I talk about them being kind of like the school marm in your chapter. Name them, have a conversation with them. Make sure that their voice isn't the only voice getting heard. Argue with them, tell them that they're wrong. Remind them of how hard you work and how much you've done and how good you are. Number two, build the muscle of good enough. Good enough is kind of a trigger word for a lot of ones. When I say good enough, it feels like saying not good enough. <laughs> and, and what I'm really looking for here is that de predetermined definition of what does complete mean? And then trusting that definition, whether that definition is created by yourself or that definition is co-created with someone else, trust that definition, follow through with that commitment and know that you are doing the best that you possibly could based off of that information. Number four, the fourth thing that can get in your way of productivity is simply over-functioning. The type one mind can find something to improve in almost any situation. And it can be difficult when that's the case to see an end point to all of the doing because there's always feels as though there's more to be done. So I want you to schedule in time for play and for pleasure and keep to it like it's a meeting. It is non-negotiable, it's on your calendar, it is the highest priority because it makes you better in every other way of your life. And keep that commitment to yourself. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Now, if you are in a household with people, The Fair Play Method is a really good book for this. It will help you to look at this together. It will help you walk through that process of defining 
um, what is good enough together and then delegating those tasks so that no matter who is doing those tasks, you know that you're doing them to the standard that you have agreed upon, which this is very, very helpful for type ones because type ones often have an extremely high standard for themselves and others when it comes to household tasks or work tasks. And the people in your life are going to be able to help you lower that expectation a little bit so that it's reasonable, but then you're gonna help them raise their expectation a little bit so that it's done well. So then you meet in that middle place, agree upon a compromise of what does complete look like, and then you can delegate the tasks with ease. You don't have to worry, if I let this person do it, will they do it to my standard because you've agreed upon the standard? So you guys have the same standard. And so if they don't do it to that standard, that's a different conversation. You can say, hey, we agreed upon the standard. Why is it not done to the standard? Can you please do it to the standard? You know, you're having a better conversation. This can also happen in the workplace. If you lead a team or you have a team leader, you can agree upon what complete looks like and then you can delegate those tasks and you can say, this is what complete looks like. So the people that you delegate it to know what the clear expectations are ahead of time. All right, and number five, the fifth way that you get in the way of your own productivity is everything feels important and urgent. This is where I really like the analogy that someone on Instagram passed along, the feeling of carrying a lot of balls, constantly juggling tons of balls, and some of them are glass, so if they fall, they're gonna break, but others are plastic, so if they fall, they're gonna bounce back. But the type one kind of holding them all as if they're equal, not knowing which ones they can put down, finding themselves kind of over overworked, overburdened, when actually there's a lot of things they don't have to be carrying. So I encourage you to, at the beginning of each day, determine what your tasks are for that day and which of those tasks are non-negotiable, like have to get done, like which ones are glass, and then identify which are plastic and use that as your measure for what needs your attention most and when you can call it a day. A great practice for this is the Eisenhower matrix. So if you can imagine a square cut into four corners, the top two rows are labeled urgent and not urgent. And then the rows going horizontal are labeled important and not important. So then you can write the tasks in box one that are both important and urgent, AKA your glass balls, like they're gonna break if you don't take care of them now. In the top right, you have important but not urgent. These are your plastic balls. Like you do need to carry them, but they can get dropped a little bit. Like they can get done tomorrow. And then bottom left is urgent but not important. So these are things that need to get done today, but maybe you don't have to do them. Maybe you could ask someone else to take that on for you. And then to the right, these are things that are not important and not urgent, and they that means these are things that you do not need to do. You don't have to do that today. Maybe in you know three weeks it becomes urgent, but right now today, it's not important, not urgent, we can let it go. Okay, so let's talk about pleasure. So now that we have a sense of what would allow us the space and time to experience more pleasure, let's talk about the top roadblocks to type one allowing pleasure to happen. Number one is the fear of being bad. Pleasure is something that type ones struggle with in general, out of fear of being evil or corrupt. So many of us are taught growing up that pleasure is inherently bad or it's like a slippery slope to evil. 
So to combat this, I encourage type ones to work with their inner child. What do they wanna do? Pairing the innocence of childhood with your attempts to infuse in more pleasure can be a really good way to combat the inner voice saying that it is bad or wrong. Because kids aren't evil, right? The innocence of a child and the little things that are their inner child wants to do. Maybe they want to watercolor paint. Maybe they want to spin around in circles. Maybe they want to dance. Maybe they want to go for a walk. Maybe they want to get a little messy and like play in the mud. Like whatever your inner child wants to do, you can trust that it's okay and that it's safe. Number two, the fear of being irresponsible. Inner child work is all well and good until your inner critic says, you're neglecting your responsibilities. You can't just play all day. So take time to explore the benefits to your life from taking intentional time for play and pleasure. Understand your why so you can have a legitimate response for your inner critic when they try to shut you down. Your inner critic says, you can't neglect your responsibilities. You say, I'm actually not neglecting my responsibilities. I've accomplish my responsibilities that are both urgent and important, and I've delegated the ones that I don't have to do today, so I know that it's perfectly safe to play right now. Or, actually play is productive. Play makes me better, and makes me better at my job, makes me a better partner, it makes me a better friend, roommate, whatever, whatever roles I'm playing. Having fun makes me lighter, less judgmental, and easier to be around, and makes me more open to other people enjoying their life, which makes me a better friend. Number three, moderation. Sometimes things that bring us pleasure feel like they're over the top or like we've gone too far. Type ones tend to pride themselves on being moderate and pleasure can feel like a challenge to that identity. But I would argue that moderation doesn't exist without pleasure. You need something to moderate. So in that case, right, to have balance, to have moderation, you need to be infusing more pleasure. I would imagine that you are moderating (laughs) all the way over a little bit to the other side. And so maybe what you need to moderate right now is your work ethic and your over-functioning and your relationships. Now, at the same time, I think you need unmoderated time. I know a lot of ones get this on vacation. I've even heard people describe themselves as having a very different persona on vacation, like vacation one shows up. I would encourage you to infuse vacation one energy into your life on a weekly basis. Even if you have to schedule in time for you to be free and playful and intentionally tap into that seven space and release the pressure to be constantly hypervigilant and responsible. Okay, friends, I hope you found this helpful. If you are a type one, I'd love to hear if you explore any of these tips. Tag me on Instagram if you do. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you, and I will see you tomorrow for the next episode. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. 
Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply.